Welcome to the new podcast series, Writing Fiction. My name is Angela Wallace-Moore. I'm a novelist and poet, and I'd like to share with you some of the writing tips I've acquired during my writing journey. Of course, we never stop learning, and we learn from one another, but we all need to start somewhere. So I hope the subjects I cover in this series will help you to hone your own writing talent and style. Over the weeks, I'll focus on important aspects, including plot development, characterization, creating atmosphere, pacing, language and voice, and editing. But for today, I'd like to begin at the beginning, getting started. I hear so many people say, oh, I'd love to write a book. But when confronted with the reality of the hard work involved, they abandon it after the first couple of chapters. Sound familiar? It was my problem for a long time before I started writing seriously. I fell into the trap that many budding writers encounter, and I call it the tyranny of inspiration. Sometimes we have a romanticised view of becoming an author. Perhaps we see ourselves draped on a sofa like Barbara Cartland with a teacup terrier in our lap, sipping tea. Um, we're sipping the tea, the dog isn't. There was a comma in there. But more about punctuation some other time. Meanwhile, back in our imagination, maybe we think of ourselves as a disaffected outsider writing dystopian fiction in a drafty attic in Paris or New York. Well, if we're thinking that way, it shows we have imagination at the very least. But the common theme in such dreams is the idea that inspiration will not only strike, but will hang around. And it doesn't. There are days when writing is the last thing you want to do, and that feeling can last for a long time. Inspiration is fleeting. It releases endorphins in our brain, and so it has an addictive quality. We want to hold on to it, and we can't. So what do we do? We need a combination of motivation and application. There's an old saying that success consists of 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration, and it's very true. Once you have your idea, you need to motivate yourself to write every day if you can manage it, even if it's only a sentence, at least several times a week if you really want to be a writer. It doesn't always need to be the great, insert name of country, novel. You can blog or journal as an alternative, write a haiku poem. The important factor is to keep that part of the brain, the writer in your head, primed and in practice. If you're going to run a marathon, you don't stay in bed every morning and maybe just have a one-mile run on Saturday before lunch if you haven't been out drinking the night before. You get up at least six days a week and you train, building up your body and getting it used to the hard slog of distance running. I used to do fun runs, so I understand the territory, although sometimes when I'd hit the three-mile mark, I'd ask myself, Ange, when does the fun start? But the answer, of course, was when you reach the finish line.
point is that you need to keep writing. And sometimes what you write will be absolute rubbish. And other times it'll reward you with something you intuitively know is quite good. But when you reach the finish line with a completed manuscript, the emotional payoff is enormous. So how do you keep motivated? By reading, listening to podcasts, watching movies and documentaries about writers and their process. Back in my running days, I used to watch documentaries about runners and the film Chariots of Fire. I never ran a marathon, but writing is a marathon, and you must keep in training for it. Having found motivational techniques, you then need to apply yourself. I support this process by having a particular spot in my house where I write. Virginia Woolf's essay, A Room of One's Own, argues, among other things, about the importance of a personal space in which to write. Jane Austen reportedly wrote her novels while sitting in the parlour with a family, evidently not distracted by their chatter. But most of us need silence. Some like background music, but all of us need a place to write. And if we use the same spot whenever possible, we're telling our brain, I'm in writer's mode now, and that supports the process. This doesn't mean you couldn't or shouldn't vary the location, like going on a writer's retreat or going for a drive and writing at an attractive location. What I'm talking about is priming our brains, getting them used to the writer's life. We'll still feel resistance sometimes, but it's much easier to override when we have an established practice. This brings us to communication, which is intimately linked with inspiration. What are we trying to birth in the world? What are we trying to communicate to others about our internal vision? Stories don't create themselves in a vacuum. They're a product of our experiences, our hopes, our dreams, and our nightmares. The masthead on my Facebook page repeats the last sentence in my novel, Children of the Gods. It says, For I too am a mythmaker, a weaver of nightmares and dreams. This is what we're doing when we write fiction. Whether it be a romance, a detective novel, a family saga, or maybe sci-fi, we're making myth. There are more kinds of fiction than you've had hot dinners, but you'll be drawn to one or more genres according to your temperament and life experience. Having perhaps decided on a particular genre, you might find as you go along that it's shifted. Your vision has expanded in unexpected ways and what started as perhaps a family saga has become a fantasy novel. This is the miracle of imagination and the ways in which our subconscious wants to communicate with us and the outside world. When we allow it to speak to us, our work becomes much richer, much more nuanced, and we find the characters become more real to us. We need think time. I find long walks very helpful, and I do most of my plot development in this way. Sometimes the plot won't resolve, and it can take time to shift the obstacles 
and gain clarity. Patience and a willingness to wait for the subconscious to offer up its solution. These are our allies. Write something else while you wait. Update your blog. Draft a poem. It's a different part of the brain which allows the fiction writer space to rest. In essence, we're communicating with ourselves in order to communicate our vision to the world. You can't have one without the other. Finally, we have renunciation. Now this sounds like something you'd undertake if you shaved your head and joined a monastery. But what I'm talking about is the willingness to let go of our preconceived ideas. To renounce the conviction that our analytical function knows best. Now it's great at what it does. And it's extremely useful once we start to edit our work. But it doesn't know anything about the creative process. It will always try to keep us safe and sane. And writing fiction is neither. There's another layer of renunciation, and that comes when we send our book out into the world. We can't control what people will think, whether they'll buy, whether they'll read, whether they'll like or hate it. Of course we hope for good things, but this isn't why we write. We write because we feel a compulsion to share something of ourselves and our vision. This makes us vulnerable because writing is intimate and we reveal a lot about ourselves. But write we must. So take your inspiration, support it with motivation and application. Sit in your writing space and create your dreams letting go of your inner critic and the ambition to be successful. Then you will truly be on your way. In my next podcast, I'll talk about plot development and characterization. Until next time, keep dreaming. Mm-hmm.